This is Daniel Self, lead pastor of the Orchard Church, and I'm so glad you're joining us today. Afterwards, if you would like and subscribe, or if you want more information on The Orchard or to support this ministry, find us at theorchardlife.com. Now know that we are praying for you today, that God would speak to you, and you would have a breakthrough. Good morning, everyone. I'm so glad you're here. What a great day, and we have some things in store for you today as I've been praying for you and for the next 20-some minutes as we receive God's Word, that we would leave here different than when we came in. Today's topic applies to a certain group of people. My challenge every week is to pray and seek God that there would be something for each of you. Today we're talking about honoring your father and mother. Each of you has a father and a mother, so you all apply in some way, shape, or form. I talked to one person before the service. He said he can't wait to send this to his kids so that they can listen to this sermon. Uh, so you can do that, and we'll get all our views going through the roof, as every child should hear this from their parents, right? But let's talk about this. We are in the Exodus series. We're in the middle of this, this huge ancient book of Exodus, looking at what God is doing as he's leading people out of captivity into the promised land. And along the way, he wants to speak identity into them. And so at Mount Sinai, he reveals the Ten Commandments. If you've been with us, you remember the Ten Commandments aren't these ten thou shalts and thou shalt nots that he's going to just, just smite people with. They are actually a covenant, a covenant. A covenant is, is a promise between two parties, and this is a marriage covenant. He is saying, I will be your God. You will be my people. And the irony is, the strange part is, in the Ten Commandments, right here in Exodus 20, the first right off the bat, uh, you know, you shall have no other gods before me. I am your Lord, your God. And you shall not use my name in vain. And you shall keep my, sac my Sabbath sacred on your mom and dad. Like, it seems like such a strange turn from these huge divine truths of honoring God to suddenly say, hey, hey, be nice to your dad. Hey, hey be kind to your mom. Why is it in here? That, that's one of the questions. Why is this in here? Did we put the verse up yet? Let's go ahead and read it. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Commandment number five. Some of you don't have kids. All of us have parents, and so let's talk about parents for a little bit. I want you to just stop for a second, and whatever kind of relationship you have with your parents, and I know that in this room it is going to be a vast, uh, different. there's different variables, and there's a variety of those. We're going to talk about them. But for a second, I want you to think about your dad smiling right now. And think about your mom smiling, looking at you. And, and in fact, I want you to turn to a neighbor and tell them your mom and your dad's name, especially if it's a neighbor you don't know on the other side, not your spouse. Like, what's your mom and dad's name? The Bible has something to say. Yeah, I never knew that was a good conversation. We just talk about our parents for a while. Isn't that fun, though? For some of us, it is. For some of us, this is going to be a painful moment as we recollect some things. And I have something for you as well. But we're talking about your mom and dad and how God has something for you and for them. Now, the first thing to admit is this. You didn't get to choose your parents, did you? I didn't get to choose my parents. They didn't get to choose you either. Okay? Okay? And, and, and think of all the things they, they did for you, supported you, gave you braces, took you on vacation, gave you food. Have you ever heard Steve Martin? He says a, a parent is somebody who has pictures where their money used to be. <laughs> they didn't get to choose you unless you're one of those special 
ones who was chosen and adopted. Also, parents weren't perfect. None were. And if you're a parent, you know there's things that you look back and wished you had done differently. Some of you a decade ago, some of you last night and this morning on the way to church, get in the car now, we're going to church, we're going to be happy. (laughs) So our parents aren't perfect, but through them, God brought you into this world. And in God's eyes, he wanted you here to have a purpose and a destiny. And so while your parents, while the way they raised you drastically changed your life, their parenting did not steal God's destiny and purpose for your life. And so for some of you here today, if nothing else, if honoring your mom and dad is just such a foreign concept, you can honor them for the genetics they gave you to create you because any alteration, any other combination, anything, and you would not be here right now. But let's look at this. Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor your father and mother. Before we get into what it means, I want to get something right out in the open. Some of you had a, had a great childhood. And, and today, you're going to read this, and your parent, you're gonna, we're going to go through this. Your parents are going to be easy to honor, either their memory or in person. You're going to leave with some new ways to do so. Some of you had hard childhoods, and your parents uh, were more, are going to be more difficult to honor, and you can leave here with some new perspectives on what that might look like. Some of you had horrific experiences, and one or both of your parents may have abandoned you. They might have been violent or even worse, abusive in ways. So what do you do with this command? And some of you, you have parents that are unavailable, or they have passed on. How do you honor your parents? We're going to end with some very practical ways of looking at what it means in all of our lives to honor our mother and our father. But first, we want to know what God intended by placing this fifth commandment right here in the middle of all these things. Why does he tell us to honor our father and mother without telling mothers and fathers to be honorable? Why doesn't he talk to them about being godly, about how to raise their kids? And I want to make something very clear, that God is crystal clear with parents on how to raise their children. In fact, there's more written in the Bible for how to parent than how to be a kid. There's more written in the Bible on what it means to to pour in and disciple and raise children than just to honor your mother and father. So while God gives us this fifth commandment about what it means to be a child, we need to ask, in this ancient context, why was it delivered and what does it mean for us? Remember, this fifth commandment was given to a budding civilization fresh out of generational slavery, with no national identity, no education system. They were slaves. No culture outside of captivity and their Egyptian masters. This is given to a generation of people who may have been taken, ripped from their parents at any moment in their childhood and sold or given to somebody else. This is given to parents for the first time in generations will get to raise their children This is given to children who for the first time in generations will have the privilege of watching their parents grow old. This is a new context for a new people pulled out of slavery and being given an identity. So let's look at what God intends for parents as he's giving this identity about what it means to pour into your kids, what what the whole context is gonna look like and what he means when you're gonna be raising your child in a culture, this new culture that he is forming for them. Did you know that along with the church, God ordained the family to be one of the very few ways that he grows his kingdom in this world? God designed the family to bring God's purposes into the world. 
Strong families with deep roots in faith are foundations of society. And a healthy family, a healthy family should produce Jesus followers. A healthy family grounded in faith, parents grounded in faith, the, the outcome, the product should be Jesus followers. Now, there are many variables involved in this, and I know some of you have painful stories about children who have left the faith or left the church. But for the most part, variables aside, a healthy family should produce Jesus followers, which means when it comes to God's plan for salvation and goodness here on the planet, parents, you have a huge role to play in his plan. And I want to speak for a moment just for, to those of you who are parents or who will someday be parents, okay? And this is something to be, there's something to be said for how you raise your kids. There's something to be said for the goal you have in raising children, the mission, the vision, the, the value, all these things. In our Western culture, we're most often, it, it, this, I did so much research and reading on this, we are most often raising children with the hope of them accomplishing something. We're a Western society. We're Americans. We want our kids to go forth and accomplish for themselves, yes, but also, if we're parents are honest, for ourselves, because accomplished kids do reflect well and make us feel like accomplished parents. But I just want to tap on this American culture of parenting for just a minute. I just want to give it some taps and see how we're doing. I want, to, I want to see what our goal for parenting could be. Because the question is, what kind of person do you want to raise? What kind of person do we want to raise? And for those of you who maybe don't have children or children who've left the house, you can still engage in this as well because there's things here for you. But also, you could be a part of leading and serving in our children's or youth ministry to help pour into this next generation and be a part of this whole thing. What kind of person do we want to raise in our households? What kind of accolades do we want our children to accomplish? What kind of character do we want our children to embody? You see, as a parent, here's the truth. No matter how we answer those questions of what I want them to accomplish or embody, the truth of it is we will produce in our children what we value. And your values are both taught and they're caught. They're taught and they're caught. Your values are communicated by the way you say things and the way you teach them and what is taught. And by what you do and how you model what matters most in your life to those you're raising. And the danger today is that in our, our culture's values and God's values, God's word, are increasingly becoming farther and farther apart. Now, this is nothing new in history it's newer in some nations and in certain civilizations, but you can see it. The culture of our world and the culture that God calls us to are growing farther and farther apart. And so if I parent, uh, if I value what the culture values, if I, if I am valuing what our culture values, I'm going to have a hard time raising a child who values what God is asking of me. Parents, God wants you to raise fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Not academics, not athletes, not popular kids. The goal of parenting is to raise and release fully devoted followers of Jesus who know God, who know the truth of his word, and who will choose in their own volition to follow God once they leave your household. One perspective change that we need as parents is this. We're not raising children. This is something Amy and I have really worked on. We're not raising children. We're raising adults. 
I am looking to raise and release an adult, not a child. So let me just blaze through some of what this means for us. I'm not raising a child with the goal of them being well-liked by others. I want to raise an adult who loves others well. I'm not raising a child to accomplish in life. I'm raising an adult to advance God's purposes in life. I'm not raising a child to go out there and just win scholarships. I'm raising a child with a radar to go out there and look to win souls. I'm focused on raising a player. Am I focused on raising a player who can change the game? My goal is to release a son or daughter who can change the world. Parents, did you know that the greatest thing you may ever do for God's kingdom is who you raise and release into this world? My prayer is that the greatest impact I will ever have on this planet is not by what I preach, but simply by the two children that I raise. And when it comes to popularity, when it comes to being liked and accomplishments and scholarships and academics and athletics and getting all these things, I have to have a caveat. Those are good things. They are. I'm not bad-mouthing them. Those are byproducts of, of, of talent and gifting and byproducts of purpose, but they should not be the purpose for Jesus' followers. There's a less one, there is less than a 1% chance of our children playing professional sports, being movie stars, making millions, or being famous. But there's a 100% chance that our children stand before Jesus. So where should I put my energy? Where's my priority for my children? Sadly, but not surprisingly, our culture is increasingly trending away from God's path and God's truth. Truth is now variable. It's now uh, it's, it's whatever we want it to be. God's truth says it is absolute. So we have this, these two paths separating, which means if we raise kids who love God and who follow God, we need to know that we're raising kids who should and will stand out in this culture. Parents, we are empowered to say no to things our culture says is normal. Parents, we, we are empowered to delay information and technology that is normal for other kids in this culture. Why? Because raising a kid who fits into the culture around them is far different than raising an adult with the culture of God within them. I'm not raising a child to fit into the culture. I'm gonna raise a child and release an adult who has the culture of God within them. So how do we do this? We base our parenting on values. And we all do this. You've chosen your values as adults. We all have. Know what your values are. And hopefully our values come from the word of God, which is why as parents it's important to know what God values for us, to live it in front of them. Not just say it, but live it. Here's a small example, a small one. And as a preacher, I know you can just go, ah, that doesn't count because you have to be here. Listen, I want my adult son who, who will likely not be in ministry, I don't know, but it's trending that he, will, he has other gifts and things that he wants to go do in this world. I want my adult son to value the church and, and, and find a body of believers when he leaves my house. Not because I'm a pastor, but because the Bible is clear that the church is a mode of, re of redemption for, of God on this world. In fact, Hebrews 10.25 explicitly says, let us not neglect meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. 
Not neglect. That word neglect means to simply take it easy. It means to coast. Neglect means to simply not make it a priority. Neglecting is really easy. It just means not make it a priority. I want my son to not neglect the church when he leaves my house. That's a value from the word of God. It's a value in our home. And so how do we do this? I make it a priority for myself. I know I gotta be here, right? We make it a priority. We make it a priority for our kids to be in church, not just in it, attending, but finding a place to serve. We have the Volunteer Central out there where there's snacks. My kids want the snacks. As pastor's kids, they think they get the snacks. We've told them, you don't get the snacks unless you serve. And we're gonna find places for their giftings and their places, and they're already talking. My son wants to work at camera. My daughter wants to welcome everybody. You know, all these things. I want my children to learn that they can be a part of the body of Christ, that they have a place in it, that they have gifts to serve, they have places to lead so that when they leave, they, they find a place to serve and they find a place to plug in. You see, the value of the Bible in our home, it makes decisions for my household. Values make decisions for your household. Values make decisions for the self-house on Saturday nights and on Sunday mornings. Because if you look at the cultural stats, They're absolutely overwhelming. Kids graduate and are leaving the church in vast numbers. In America, we have a generation who grow up in homes going to churches and who have left home and left the church. There's many variables. There's there's politics. There's parents. There's this. There's the culture. There's so many things, but part of it, and the majority of these that they've looked at them, is not because they view the church as bad, but because it was never actually a value in their home. We may say it's a value, but we will never let our kid miss a practice or a game. But you know, hey. Now listen, you know me. I am not the guilt police on attendance. If anything, if anything, I'm not the guilt police. This is not about that. This is about the value of my son and daughter having something in them for when they leave the home. It's not about the, me guilting you as a pastor for church attendance. Take that out of there. This is taking a step back and looking at the values that we're actually passing on to our kids, that sports, academics, recreation have a higher value than what the Bible is talking about in Hebrews. Sometimes we're so tired from what we value on Saturday that we take off what we claim to value on Sunday. And I get it, it happens, it just does, it's part of it, I get it, it happens. And as parents, we think it's no big deal, but over the course of a children's, child's lifetime, and I've been a youth pastor decades before this, Over the course of a kid's childhood, as this is communicated, what it says is your game is a higher value than your faith. Your Saturday is of greater value than your Sunday. Your Saturday's performance means more in this home than your Sunday's presence. Your grades are more important in this family than your faith. Your recreation, our recreation is more a priority than our faith. So in college, guess what happens? Guess what wins? the values they've had modeled for them. Bottom line, parents, our kids will someday live out the values that we live out regardless of what we quote, say, it's what we do. What we do will win. And just to take a breath collectively and let the air back in the room. Sports are awesome. I love them. My kids play them. I'm coaching my daughter's soccer team. Academics are vital. And my family is highly invested in education. Recreation is part of what it means to enjoy God's creation and live in this area. We do it. None of those things are wrong. None of them. They're great. They're gifts from God. The question isn't if they're wrong. The question is, are they in the appropriate place in the values in our homes?
Do we as parents truly value the biblical directive of Jesus to raise Jesus followers? Or do I just say that? And my kids are learning otherwise while watching me. Somehow the culture of our homes must look like more and more the culture of heaven. The culture of our home must be more illuminated by God's word than the screen time. And parents, we are the ones who set the culture. Parents, you get to set the values. When it comes to the home, parents, you are a thermostat, not a thermometer. You set the spiritual temperature. You set the culture. You decide the values that your family will live by. So sit down with your spouse. Sit down and clarify these values. And let some of these values that you, you say you believe begin to actually make decisions for you during the week. You might have to let some things go. You might say, I want my children to value this and therefore I must step into some things. So as parents, we have to do what uh, the parents back in Exodus had to do as they were forming the civilization to live in this new culture when these 10 commandments were rolled out. Raise kids in the culture of heaven that he's given us, not the culture around them. We must truly live by those values we want to see in our kids because they are caught, not just taught. We want, your, we want our kids to value God's people, the church, to serve. Let me ask you this. Do you want your kids to value God's people? Do you want your kids to value the church, to lead and serve someday when they leave and involvement beyond graduation? Do you? Show them what it looks like. Do you want your child to value worship? Show them what it looks like. Do you want your children to value God's mission to love those around them? Show them what it looks like. Do you want your children to value the word of God? Show them what it looks like. Do you want your kids to, to love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength? Let them see it in your life. Otherwise, we are without excuse to be surprised when they value the things of recreation, sports, education, and anything else in this culture above him because we didn't show them our value in that. Again, those are good things, gift from God, but in the improper place, they become detrimental to God's actual purposes for parenting. God help us if we have great athletes who never exercise their faith. God help us if we have great students who don't know how to study the word of God. Kids who stand out athletically but don't know how to stand up spiritually. How important is this? Here's how important. Here at the orchard, our mission, our vision is love God and love people. And it comes from an ancient place in the Bible. It comes from a prayer called the Shema that Jesus, as a young Hebrew, would have prayed every morning and every night. He would have prayed this prayer every morning and night. That's where our vision, love God, love people, comes from. It comes from Deuteronomy 6. It's revealing, and this is God revealing to parents what it means to, be, to, to, to raise your children in this culture. Listen to this. He says in verse 5, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Sounds familiar. That's where we get love God. But listen, God continues. He gives them the value, but then he gives them the vision for it. Love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, and strength. And these are the commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk on the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols to your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your homes and your gates. He says, let these commands be on your heart because where your heart is there, your treasure is 
also. These commandments to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength is to be on your heart. Your highest value, parent or not, whatever you are, that is to be on your heart. The next one, it says this. It says to impress them on your children. The values of heaven that are in our heart, we should pass them on to our children. And the Hebrew word here for impress is shanan, which means to teach diligently, consistently, purposefully, and clearly. The Hebrew word shanan also has this, this great meaning that means to hone or to sharpen. That's how this word is most often used in the Bible. Impre- to sharpen your children, sharpen their character and perspective on God's word and God in life. Why? So that their growing faith can cut through the BS of our culture. So that their character in Jesus can cut through the lies about their identity. So that their wisdom can cut through temptations that want to trap them. So they can cut through the sin that wants to addict them. So that their discernment can cut through the marketing and advertisement that is, that is targeted at them. Hone our children in God's values. So they leave the home sharpened for a destiny that he has for them. The word impress here means, as parents, that we're to leave an impression, a lasting imprint of your parenting on your child. That the lasting imprint of the 18 years you get is you imprint them to go forth and love God with their heart, soul, mind, and strength. So when they're tested in the future, they can stand for their faith. Deuteronomy 6, let's go to verse 7. Talk about these commands when you sit at home. These commands, talk about them at home, around the dinner table, at bedtime. A a good first step for all of us, parents or not, is to memorize this verse. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love people as yourself. Memorize the Shema. Memorize the the very prayer Jesus prayed twice a day. And then don't just memorize it. it. The Bible says discuss it when you sit at home. Talk to your spouse. Talk to your kids. Talk to your dog. Talk to somebody. This is a fundamental truth, a value of the Bible that God says should be a fundamental truth of our life. Discuss it. Have it be a conversation. When things come up in our family, we have a, a big sign that says the self family. It says love God, love people, love myself. And when something comes up in our life, like situations locally and politically, we brought them up and said, how does this fit into love God, love people? I want my children to have that as their guide moving forward. Fill our home with love God and love people in these prayers. Deuteronomy 6, 8, talk about these commands when you walk on the road. Well, that's your commute. That's your car ride. That's when you're sitting next to a friend on, the, on your bus, in the car. And on the bus, you got to be careful. You might not know them. You know, hey, have you heard about, can I tell you about your Lord and Savior, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? You know, all those things. But talk about these things. I know an Uber man who, who, who you, talks about God to the people who ride in his car. He calls his car the first church of Uber. I love it. He's a great guy. Talk about these when you walk on the road, when you drive to work, when you recreate, when you're on the phone. Make a discussion about these values, a part of your life. Talk about them when you lie down, when you wake up. May your last thought of the day be thanking God for this. And may your first prayer upon waking be, Father, may I awaken to the reality of loving you with my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now, here's the deal. The first thing I do when I wake up is guess what? I grab my phone. So what about a sticky note on your phone? What about a lock screen on your phone? Huh? We've got to get this into our morning and night the way the word says here. Does this sound silly? Well, hold on. God's not done. He says, tie these commands as symbols to your hands and bind them to your foreheads. Write them on door frames, your houses and gates. They didn't have digital reminders. They didn't have lock screens. They didn't have alarms. So they had to make them. They had to find ways to keep them in front of them. And so, so you put it on your dashboard. Put it on your dashboard as a reminder. 
Put it on your, your mirror so that every time you look in there and you see yourself, you're reminded that your identity comes from God and you should reflect him. Put it on your coffee pot so that you're reminded to wake up to this reality. Or put it on your lock screen. How many pickups do you have a day? What if everyone was a prayer? Uh, put it on your desk, on your laptop, your computer work. God may reflect your character of loving you and loving others to everyone I meet today. They used to tie it on their arms. My, my daughter loves to make me uh, bracelets, and I, I wear them a lot. This is uh, a special one that she made me for Christmas. Now, now I wear these and it, I, because I love her. I also wear them because they are a reminder. When, I'm not a big bracelet guy, but I'll wear, I'll wear my eight-year-old's bracelet every day. And when I think of it, when I feel it, I thank God for her, and I pray, love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Tie it on your wrist. Find somehow to join the ancient people of getting this in front of us. Uh, put it on yourself. One of our elders, I remember watching him as he wore this, uh, his, his orchard shirt, love God, love people, to this huge music event. Uh, not a Christian event, and he walked around. And, and, and you might not think that's a big deal, but here's the, here, I want to challenge you with something. You know, we'll, we'll wear our love God, love people orchard shirt here on Sundays. Wear it out to something else. Just try it. You will notice yourself wearing it and you will notice people looking at it and reading it. Just try it. It says bind it to your forehead and your wrist. Might as well put it on your chest. Try that. Not because it's the orchard, whatever you want to do. It's more about the verse than it is the branding. Come on. But here's the deal. We need to get these things in front of us. We need to keep them in front of us. Whether you're a parent or not, set the culture of your home and your heart to, to the value of heaven so that you may live out this value to your children, to your roommates, to your coworkers, and in your private life. And many of you are here today because you were maybe raised in a Christian home. Honor your mom and dad and the faith they passed on. The Bible talks to you about this, Proverbs 6, 20 and 22. My child, keep your father's commands and do not forsake your mother's teachings. Now listen, it sounds just like Deuteronomy. Bind them always on your heart. Like put them in your heart. It tells parents to put them in your heart. Children, bind your parents' teachings to your heart. Fasten them around your neck. It says another place like a garland, like, like, a decor, like, like it's part of you. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they'll watch over with you. When you wake, they will speak to you. Keep, thank God for the faith that some of your parents passed on to you. That's somehow you can honor them by keeping those teachings from your childhood in front of us. And so we see the weight God places on us as parents in his word to be a child's primary mentor, not the church, parents. Churches get 40 hours a year to pour into children. You have 3,000 hours a year of, give, of time to pour into children. You are the primary discipler of your kids. That's where they'll get their values. Parents, this is a huge responsibility of us. Each of us, we are also someone's child. And so stepping back from what it means to be a parent, how do we honor our parents? And it's not just an Old Testament thing. It's, it's many places in the New Testament. And Paul says in Ephesians 6, 1 through 3, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. This is the right thing to do. And you and I, we're to honor our mother and father. What does this look like? First and foremost, for those whose parents were absent or worse, abusive, this is a tough sermon, a tough part. And I have sat in this space all week for some of you because I know some of your stories. I called a good friend of mine, a very close friend who I've watched him painfully walk through childhood and as a parent with a father who is a tyrant, a father who tormented him from the cradle and continued to do so until the day he passed. 
My friend has a deep faith, but this was a test that I watched him face daily throughout his whole life as he carried this burden and these identities with him. And sometimes he lived it out correctly and honored his father, even though his father dishonored him. And oftentimes he admits that in his hurt, he would lash out. It was a lifetime of difficulty until finally he created some boundaries of love strict enough to protect his heart and family from the dysfunction of his father. And so I, I talked to him this week and I just said, man, how do you, how do you, I watched you live this. How did you get to the place where you, how do you honor your father? And he said that as a son, he didn't have what it takes to win this in his own heart. But as a son of God, he began to see his dad differently. As his dad's son, he did not have what it takes, but as a son of the most high father, he began to see his dad differently. He said, my dad was a very wounded man. And the only way they have a chance out of this generational cycle was through Christ. My dad was wounded by his dad. And if I went out of this, I, it has to be Jesus. My dad brought me as far as he could. And God willing, I'll take my children farther out of the darkness. When I was younger, I used to tell people how bad my dad was so they could see and agree. But even though everything I said was truth, my heart and my words dishonored him. I learned only to spill the worst of it to trusted friends, counselors. And in the end, what I learned from God is that my silence was honoring, that I will not speak ill of my dad. I know my friend, and these words are hard-earned. For some of you, you have been wounded, and honoring one of your parents or both is an entirely different discussion and it's probably, perhaps, a discussion best had in a counselor's office. We have our email in the back if you would like to, to meet with us to talk through some of these things. But perhaps honoring may be boundaries. And perhaps honoring your dad and your mom may be simply silence and not talking about them ill. For, the, for the, those others who have gathered here who have a somewhat healthy or good relationship with, from childhood, what does honor look like? I'm gonna skip the childhood ways. They're gonna teach that up there, right? We're adults in here, most of us. How do you honor your mom and your dad when you're on your own, when you've built your own life, when you've moved on? You're a grown man, you're a grown woman. Here's the number one way to honor your father and your mother if you have grown and moved on. Time. Giving your mom and dad your time when you are an, when you are an adult is the greatest gift you can give them. You know, for a parent, when your kids are young, all you have is time with your kid. You have too much time. You know, you're like, somebody, get, I know screen time's bad, but give me a video, you know? I mean, we have, we have to create activities. We have to fill time because kids are always there. People say, like, I just can't wait till school starts again. I, I can't wait till they're finally in bed. For a parent of young kids, all we have is time. And as your kid grows, the time begins to change. Some of you parents are nodding along. You've seen this. You're on the other side of this. So when you're a parent of young kids, all you have is time. But go to a parent who has a senior in high school and ask them about the time they have with their child. And they will start crying immediately. We go from all the time in the world with our children playing on the floor. Daddy, come play with me. I don't have time. To going and transitioning to just hoping they will call and text us. And hoping they have time. 
Parents, you've, many of you have been through this. Your kids have left. They've gotten married, perhaps. They have kids of their own. How precious is your adult children's time to you now? For those of you in a healthy place with your parents, give them that gift today. Give them time. Time together, doing something. Go sit with them. Go be near them. Call them. Face time them. Another close friend of mine, he's in a situation where there is some dysfunction. And so one way he found an easy way to connect and, and share time was to simply send text pictures often when he would experience something. Uh, just him or him and his kids. It says, I honor you. I include you. I'm connecting you. For some of you, text your mom on the way out of church. Went to church today. She would probably appreciate that. Begin to give the gift of time in small ways and big ways. Moving forward with your honor, to honor your mom and dad, honor them with time. And you want some extra credit? You want to truly honor them? Get this, either with your voice or with a pen, let them know how much they mean to you. No matter your age, let them know how much they mean. Reflect how much you love them. Recount a story from your childhood of how you, you laugh or a memory you have. Take the time to put into words just how much they mean. Honor is the language of our soul. So speak it to your mom. Speak it to your dad. Write it for her. Send it to him. Let them feel the honor coming through the phone, across the table, or through the page. Dad, I love you. I'm so grateful for you. Mom, I love you. Thank you. So sandwiched here between these, these first four big divine commandments and, and the other commandments we're going to get to is this, is this commandment, honor your dad and mom. And you'll have a long life. Each of you has experiences in your childhood that's been unique. Each of you have different uh, situations with your parents living or passed on. But take this seriously as the fifth commandment and leave this, this, this day making space to honor your parent. If your parents aren't with you anymore, Take the time to tell a story to someone about your dad. Honor him in a story to your spouse or someone else. Honor your mom with a story. Get out some pictures. Honor your parents. Do it. If your parents are in a difficult situation, how can you honor them? Think of those things. Let's step into this commandment. Let's leave this place and let us honor our mothers and fathers in the way that God would have us the ways that are healthy. As we go into worship today and we end this, this sermon um, and go into communion, oftentimes we'll take communion here and some of you who are new don't know what we're doing. We provide it on the way in. We often let you take communion on your own. Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. And so you will see there's a little juice cup that has the wafer and it has the juice. It's his broken body and his shed blood. But before you take it, take a moment and worship. Thank him. Honor him for his sacrifice. Take a moment and ask forgiveness for the things you need to ask for. And then, taking communion, praise him for his body and his blood. And Orchard, when we are done, may we stand up and may we also honor him with our worship. Amen?